Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, Dr. Carson, it's great uh, to have you here. It'd be greater yet if you called me Don. Okay. <laughs> or your reverence or your magnificence. Or... Well, I'll happily call you Don. Don, it's great to have you. And um, I know many of us have benefited from your ministry, not just this week, but over many, many years through your speaking, uh, your writing, and your leadership, uh, even uh, with the, the Gospel Coalition. We need to clear up a few urban myths because some questions have come in about some urban myths about you. One question that's come in, it may be an urban legend, but I've heard you read one book a day. True or false? For about 30 years, it was an average of about 1.3 a day. <laughs> but I've slowed down. It's probably an average of about 0.7 a day. Okay. I'm going to ask you a second urban legend. Apparently, when you were entering university, you memorized the book of Romans for an entrance exam in Greek? No. That's an urban uh, myth. Have you heard of that urban legend before? Oh, I know somebody who did it for a, uh, a course in Germany taught by Ernst Kaysmann, when it was Ephesians, not Romans. But um, uh, my, father, my father, when he was a young man, memorized the first eight chapters of Romans. Uh, but even he didn't do the whole book. Um, and that was just because he thought it was a godly thing to do, not because he was trying to pass an exam. So there are components of this that have got around. And okay, so you've, you've spoken about some of your study habits through the urban legends. Did you decide that you were going to read 1.3 books a day? How did you decide in your study habits over, over the years? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge that there are, there's reading and there's reading. I mean, it's a ter it's why I've never talked about that. I mean, I've, I've answered questions, but I, I never talk about uh, how many books I've read. Or, partly because people have the capacity for reading at quite different speeds. And I make the choice of reading some books, uh, every line, every footnote, look up the references. You, you know, they're scholarly books that are right in my field, they're important. Uh, they take me a, a long time to read. Uh, there are other books where um, I read them pretty quickly for enjoyment, comments on culture and this, this sort of thing. But there's a lot of stuff out there that says roughly the same thing, so you get through it pretty fast. And there's still other books that were... Oh, when, I, when I wrote the book The Gagging of God, which was really a, a prolonged essay on, on culture and so on, I, I was... When I started off talking about Jacques Derrida and postmodernism and stuff, I hadn't read any of their stuff. And it was opaque. I mean, it was dense. Uh, I, they, they mostly wrote in French. I read them in English, didn't understand them, so I read them in French and still didn't understand them. And, but gradually I began to see what was going on. But by the time I had cleared slowly about 50 books, um, then I read the next six or 700 in the field at an average of eight or 10 or 15 a day. That doesn't mean I was reading them every word. I just needed to see how they were different from, from, from the last one. I mean, I, so I, I read them enough that I could tell you where that position was as compared with the previous dude, you know. But, but I, I wasn't prepared to write a review on it or anything. So there's reading and there's reading and there's reading. Um, 
Who would be someone that you would read every word from? Oh, a, a commentary where I'm writing a book on, on, on the, the same biblical book. Uh, for, for, for example, if, uh, if I'm writing a commentary on Hebrews or something like that, then there'll be eight or 10 or 12 or 15 commentaries that I'll read uh, with attention to every single word. Um, there'll be a variety of commentaries of different stances where I'll be reading very carefully. But then the commentaries after that, uh, I just dip into enough to find out how they differ from the previous character. Um, so you, you might see 300 commentaries listed at the end of the book. That doesn't mean I've read them all the same way. So it takes a certain kind of willed decision to decide what to read fast and what to read slowly. And it takes practice to be able to read fast too. So I don't recommend it. I mean, it, uh, I, the only thing I do recommend is that you, you make choices before you start reading anything, whether you're going to read something slowly enough that you can take notes or fast enough that um, you, you're, you're finished the thing in half an hour. So you've read so much over your life to date, Dr. Carson. How have you then decided what to write on? Oh, that's a harder one. Um, occasionally, it's because a publisher has approached me and asked, would you like to write on something or other? I know one scholar who shall remain nameless, whose boast is, he's just recently gone to meet his maker. Um, uh, I, I wonder what his maker said about that, but well, that's another topic. Um, his, his, his boast was that he had never approached a publisher with a suggested thing that he would like to write, that he had always said either yes or no to suggestions made to him. I think that's sad. Um, sometimes publishers have good suggestions to make and they, they sometimes have their f f feeling on the pulse and, and so on. But it means that this poor dude has, has, has never got his own ideas. It's not as if he's asking questions about what he thinks is strategic. Um, I, I, I would want to argue that, that, that a, a writer who writes a lot or repeatedly sh should be sometimes offering fresh ideas. How would you like something on this sort of subject? And the publisher may very well say no, just because they haven't even thought about it, you know, and it takes a while to flog it somewhere. And, you know. so, so one is with people approaching you. Sometimes you see a need for something. Um, that's... That's more dramatic. Sometimes it's a tract for the times, a response to something. Um, my book on the emerging church was a tract for the times. Uh, it's not something I lay awake at night contemplating, I'd make that my life's work. It was a tract for the times. It, it circulated widely and did its good for the time, but, but it was a tract, a long tract, to answer a particular problem. Um, and other books you purposely write in such a way that uh, the Lord and his mercy may keep them in print for the next hundred years. Mm. Packers Knowing God is something like that. In a hundred years, if the Lord tarries, people will still be reading Knowing God. You, you, you know? Mm. Uh, it started off as a magazine series of articles, but it is so culturally transcendent, so sensible, so biblical, so warm-hearted, so edifying, that it, it, it's, it, it'll be around in a hundred, two hundred years. Um, so, so you write for different purposes, different audiences. Some people write for one audience every time, all the time. Whereas uh, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades. 
so I've written evangelistic stuff, and I've written technical stuff for scholars, and I've written stuff for the church, and mm. written exposition. Have you enjoyed any sort of genre more than others? You know, you've obviously for the love of God, which is devotional, and yeah. the gagging of God, which is a massive work. There are probably some genres that I enjoy less than others. I'd prefer to put it that way. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, I, in, in some measure, I've enjoyed doing them because I thought they needed to be done. But it's not my hope and dream to do that. I mean, the, the introduction to the New Testament. Uh, Doug Moo and I are working on the third edition now. Um, that's not what I want to be remembered for particularly. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of students all around the world who don't want to be remembered. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, uh, it, it, it's one of those things that needed to be done, something that's conservative, comprehensive, knows the sources, um, is set out pedagogically in a responsible way and so on. So the publishers bugged us, you know, needs to, needs to have a third edition, so we're doing that now. But on the other hand, I don't stay awake at night saying, oh, I can hardly wait to write the next chapter of intro. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.